You are listening to WTUZ Radio Podcast. Welcome to WTUZ Radio Podcast. I am your host, Rhonda. And today's uh, podcast, it is a follow-up on the live from last Thursday from the Truth Uncompromised show. And we had technical difficulties, so I had to chop the live up. And one of the uh, uploads that I did was... um, Robert E. Lee is black. Now, uh, shout out to the YouTube channel because I got this information from the YouTube channel straight up. So shout out to straight up. Uh, It's much appreciated. Um, In that particular live and video, I'm mistaken your heritage as being a Caucasian, I apologize. It is not. Nonetheless, still does not negate what I said. And I meant what I said. Uh, much respect to you for putting out this information. Uh, so as I suspected, and I'm sure you get the same as well, some people still don't want to believe it is what it is. So I just wanted to come back and do an update not only on uh, Robert E. Lee to just reiterate the information that Straight Up put out with his applicable receipts. Because when I did the upload, the re-upload, I didn't have uh, his video source uh, displaying. So I'm just real quick going to show his video source and then... I literally pulled his source, which anybody else can do as well. He literally gave us the source. And you can literally go and pull this information yourself. I did it. Okay. So much respect to straight up. Um, I'm just going to play a snippet of this and then I'm going to go into the actual record, the source that he provided. It is available for you to go pull it for yourself. I'm going to go into that. And then um, an additional information that was sent to me, shout out to Brother David. Shout out to you, Brother David. He sent me additional information as well regarding Robert E. Lee. So we're going to go into that as well. And and then, of course, I have some bonus material that I'm going to, once again, show pictures of those black Confederate soldiers. So this podcast is Robert E. Lee is still black. And the Black Confederate Soldiers. So again, shout out to Straight Up. This particular video, uh, please go over and check him out. Subscribe to his channel. He has great work. This particular video is called The Black Confederacy. 
All right. So let's just do this again. And then we're going to get into the actual source that's straight up provided. So once again, I'm reiterating, anyone can go pull this source. So for this gentleman, and I say that loosely, we go to the United States of America Congressional Record. It's titled Proceedings and Debate of the 90th Congress, Second Session, Volume 114, Part 7, March 28, 1968 to April 9, 1968, by the Government Printing Office, Washington. Okay, so why did I read you that long title? I read it to you because this is the Congressional Record, an excellent primary source, and they are discussing Robert E. Lee's family line. So on page 8727, they are speaking about Richard Lee, who was the first Lee in America. He was the sixth generation ancestor of Robert E. Lee. Now, turning the page to 8728, it goes on to read, Richard's descendants prospered through the following century until the time of the revolution. There were no more illustrious names in the annals of the new republic than the Lees, except that of Washington himself. Okay, so I'm going to stop there uh, because I'm going to go into the actual record. You know, the source that he gave, yeah, you can literally pull that yourself. Uh, so again, shout out to Straight Up. Please check out this video in its entirety. It is excellent work. This is called the Black Southern Confederacy. So let me go uh, to the actual record. Okay, so you, as you can see, uh, literally the same thing. Let me make sure I'm still displaying. Yes, I am. <sighs> So he started to read this, uh, Richard's descendant prospered through the following century until by the time of the revolution, there was no more illustrious name in the annuals of the new republic than the Lees, except that of Washington himself. Such Lees as Richard Henry, Arthur, Thomas, William, Francis, and Lightfoot were men of station, ability, wealth, and integrity. Two were signers of the Declaration of Independence, the list of members of Congress, governors of Virginia, and the holders of public office was endless. Young Robert E. Lee grew up in the midst of this tradition. Okay. Robert E. Lee decided on a military career at a very early age. In fact, as a young boy, he decided he would go to West Point. He finally ended up there when he was 18 in 1825. When he entered West Point, he had brown hair, a dark complexion, gray eyes. He was 5'10 and weighed 180 pounds. Okay, so again, a dark complexion. All right. Robert E. Lee was the son of Henry Lighthorse Harry. Lee of Revolutionary War renown. Okay, so they're giving you his lineage. All right. So his father, Henry, known as Light Horse Henry, was in the Revolutionary War. It was he who coined the patriotic phrase with reference to Washington. First in war, first in peace, first in the heart of the countrymen. 
For all his renown in the military, Light Horse Harry led a rather prolific life. He spent two fortunes. He spent one he inherited from his own parents, and then he spent the fortune from his second wife, Ann Carter. And Carter had Ann Carter's father had to set up a trust for the four children of Light Horse Harry Lee and Ann Carter to keep Light Horse from spending every single nickel he left to his daughter. Robert E. Lee was the son of Light Horse Harry Lee by second marriage. So Lee had a number of half brothers and sisters. All right, so it's just going to go into Lee's old man or his father with uh, getting his gambling on. Um, and we're going to skip over that. Now, this is the part I wanted us to go into. As a matter of fact, he took a boat and sailed to the British colony of Barbados. So let me back up a little bit. I guess I do need to go over that. When the war between England and the United States broke out in 1812, Light Horse Harry was against going to war with England. As a matter of fact, he took a boat and sailed to the British colony of Barbados. He joined Alexander Hamilton. Yeah, uh, that Alexander Hamilton who was also swarthy. Whose mother was swarthy. He joined Alexander, Alexander Hamilton, and you can check out uh, Brother Cooey Mayo. Shout out to Brother Cooey Mayo. He did a drop on Alexander Hamilton and his heritage with the receipts of that swathy. And other noted feudalists in a publication of an anti-war editorial in a newspaper in Baltimore called the Baltimore Federal Republican. Uh, as a result of this editorial, the editor of the paper, Alexander Hansen, and a number of other people were taken out and eight others were left on the ground. Uh, they were deceased. I'm trying to talk in code and, and not offend uh, YouTube. Was taken out, including Light Horse Harry Lee. Okay, so it's going to go into details how they took out uh, Light Horse. I'm not going to go into that because it's pretty graphic. Um, and bear with me. I'm just trying to get to a point uh, so we could go into some other information. So as a child of only five or six years of age, Robert E. Lee knew his father as an invalid and in the eyes of so many people as a ne'er do well despite his glorious uh, accomplishments in the military field. Okay, so we talked about that. Um, so it's just gonna go into how uh, Robert E. Lee had a uh, great reputation. This is the point part I want to get to. At West Point, his roommate, or rather his tent mate, was a young man for Georgia by the name of Jack McKay. Now, soon as I heard this name, I'm like, McKay, McKay, McKay. 
I know I ran across that name in my research, okay? The the last name, McKay. But let's continue, all right? So it's just going to go on talking about um, uh, Robert E. Lee and Jack McKay's. You know, they, they was boys or, they you know, they uh, classmates in the military, this, that, and third. Okay, so that's that one relationship. Um, then we're going to go into uh, their relationship, meaning Robert Lee's rather relationship with George Washington. So let's go into this. Uh, okay. The wife of George Washington, Martha, was married twice. The first time to a man whose last name was Custis. I don't know why I wanted to say Curtis. She had a grandson named George Washington Park Custis. George Washington adopted him as his legal heir, and this was something very serious because George Washington was reputed to be the wealthiest man in Virginia. Okay. Now, George Washington is also rumored, and I'll have to check out straight up, uh, straight up may have even cracked the code on George Washington's true lineage. Um, I suspect, now I don't have a receipts or proof that George Washington at a minimum was mulatto. So meaning uh, mixed heritage, um, if not swathy. All right. So uh, straight up may have the drop on that. I uh, think he does. Don't quote me in that. Uh, but that's just my suspicion on George Washington. Um, I've seen a poster of George Washington and Adams and a lot of those other early founding fathers. And they look at a minimal mulatto-ish to me. All right. But nonetheless, let's get back to this connect. All right, so uh, Mary, I'm sorry, Martha, uh, George Washington's old lady, she had a grandson named George Washington Park Custis. George Washington adopted him as his legal heir, and this was something very serious because George Washington was reputed to be the wealthiest man in Virginia. Now George Washington Park Custis, Martha's grandson, and George Washington adopted grandson had a daughter named Mary Ann Randolph Custis. Custis. Robert E. Lee married Mary Ann on June 30th, 1831. So you see, Lee was married to the great granddaughter of Martha Washington and the great granddaughter of George Washington. Part of the inheritance Lee received a huge plantation known as Arlington. Okay. So, um, I'm not going to go into this any further. Um, you can check out again, Straight Up's video, The Black Confederacy. He goes into even more of uh, Robert E. Lee's 
um, relatives and how they were all described as being dark complected. Okay, so I'm not going to re-go into what he's already gone in his video. He did an excellent job. Please check out the video in its entirety. Okay, but when I went and pulled the source, shout out to Straight Up, I pulled the source that he gave, which is clearly there because I'm reading from it. Uh, I got even more gems. Okay, so now let's get to this name, McKay. Okay, so in here it's saying Jack McKay was uh, buddies with um Robert E. Lee, you know that dark complected or dark complexion Robert E. Lee, who was married to the great granddaughter of George Washington. That Robert E. Lee, uh Jack McKay, they were boys in school at West Point. So that McKay name, I'm like, I've seen that name before. It ties back to these melanated thrones. I know it does. I, I, I just, I remember it. So I said, okay, let me go on and jump over to the house of names. McKay, history, family, crest, coat of arms. Okay, so uh, origins, they have Netherlands, Ireland, and Scotland. The chronicles of the name McKay begins with a family in the Picts or the Pictish clan of ancient Scotland. I said, bingo, there you have it. I knew it. <laughs> I knew I had seen that name before. I knew it had to be tied back. But we're going to get there. But just real quick while we are in the house of names. Um, it is giving you the various spellings. So you McKay's, anyone melanated with the last name McKay, here you go. Right? So uh, McKay, M-A-C-K-A-Y. Also McKay, M-A-C-C-A-Y. And this looks like McCue or McCuey, M-A-C-Q-U-E-Y, McCoyd, M-A-C-Q-U-O-I-D, McCaw, M-A-C-K-A-Y, McKee, uh, spelled both ways, M-A-C-K-Y, M-A-C-K-Y-E, McCoy. So McCoy. M-A-C-C-O-Y is a derivative of McKay. McCoy also, M-C-C-O-Y, is a derivative of McKay. Okay, so some of the early notables of the McKay family, um, Hugh McKay, was a Scottish general, major general commanding in chief in Scotland in 1689. Okay, tells what battle he was in. Um, okay, in the United States. Yeah, well, yeah, we're not going to talk about. Yeah, well, yeah, whatever, whatever. It's ranking in the pop popular. 
Um, says some of the McKay family moved to Ireland. Yeah, 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 or whatever the case may be. Let's get to the McKay migrations to the United States. The crossing to North America did not seem so great in comparison to the hardship of many Scots. Okay, and this is pretty much what they give you. Just letting you know when the Scots got kicked out of uh, Scotland. All right, so we know the story. They got kicked out. And unless you had some sort of top family lineage, more than likely you were serving out a prison sentence called an indentured servitude. Okay? So that's where the term indentured servant came from. And that fell into two categories. Either you were sentenced to a prison sentence. And if you were kicked out, that means that sentence was for life. You could no longer come back to Scotland or Ireland or England. And the other one was because of the persecution going on and all of the wars, this, that, and the third, depending on who you was partnering up with, you're like, you know what? I'm out of here, deuces. Uh, I hear about these new opportunities in the newfound land. I'll take my chances over there. Yeah, I'll go over here on this indentured servant contract and work. All right. So you're going to consistently see this particular paragraph when they talk about the migration from the Europeans coming over to the Americas. All right. So anybody that's familiar with the work of this channel, you should know that just because you are European does not mean that it's exclusively to the Caucasian race, okay? That's also black, a.k.a. swathy, a.k.a. melanated folk were also Europeans, and they were also being kicked out of Europe as well. And the seat of power during that time were with those swathy, melanated kingdoms or houses. Okay? So uh, just real quick, it's saying, giving you some of the names of folk of the McKay's and kind of when they started coming over to the United States. So Hugh, James, uh, John, Robert, Duncan. And you can see those are all in the 1600s. Uh, and then you had some more come over in the 1700s. Okay. And then some more in the 1800s. Okay. All right, and then some also went to Canada, all right, which is still a part of the Americas, but you know what I'm trying to say there, <laughs> okay? So I'm just giving you um, the rundown from the McKay name, okay? Giving you a little bit of history. So here's where I remember seeing. So again, this is from the Negro rulers of Scotland and the British Isles by Dr. John L. Johnson, 
Okay. Again, this is from the book, The Negro Rulers of Scotland and the British Isles by Dr. John L. Johnson. Uh, so shout out to Sis Brooklyn Bouget or Bougie for um, giving me this source. And we're literally doing a series on it. Um, that's where I remember seeing this uh, McKay name. Okay. So remember the McKay's what's bringing me here just to refresh your memory because it says what the chronicle of the name McKay's be begins with a family in the pits or the pittish clans of ancient Scotland. So let's jump over to the Negro rulers of Scotland and the British Isles. Okay. So we're going to go to the Cambridge Ancient History, volume two, page 34, 1926 says. So for those of you that want to windmill on these authors, it's not like they're not giving their source. So if they're giving their sources and you're not researching their sources, uh, whose fault is that? He's clearly giving a source here. The ancient pits of Scotland is said to be the ancestors of a small black race in Scotland. Margaret Mary Murray, in her book called The God of Witches, mentions the dark-skinned pits. So, again, that's two sources calling the pits black. Dark-skinned. Lord Lang, in his book called The uh, Pits and the Scots, The Pygmies, Yet another source. And Skyard Historia Norwegius speaks of an ancient dark complected. There go that dark complected. There go that dark complected again. Speaks of an ancient dark complexioned pygmy people of Scotland. So, uh, how many sources is that? One. <laughs> Two. <laughs> Three. <laughs> Four. Four sources. Four separate sources describing the pits as what? Dark skinned, dark complexion. Describing them as the pygmies, the pygmy, pygmy people of Scotland. So not only do we have an account of Robert E. Lee in the congressional records, in the congressional records, not what Rhonda says, not what the brother is saying here. 
and not what straight up is saying in the congressional records describing Robert E. Lee as dark complexion. Duh, 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 duh. It also describes his boy who he kicked it with at West Point as a McKay. And when you look up the origins of the name McKay, it's from the what? The, the, the who clan? The Pitts. And the Pitts ties back to what now? What they tie back to? The ancient Pitts of Scotland is said to be the ancestors of a small black race in Scotland. Okay. All right. So uh, just this one little part, and then we're going to move on. It says, there were several phenomenal rulers within Europe long before the rise of Scotland, England, Wales, and Ireland. And y'all remember when I did the drop on the uh, princess Skoda, so meaning Scotland was named after her. He even dropped it in his book as well. The Egyptian princess Skoda. Yeah, remember I did a drop on that. And I said it was a theory. I didn't know for sure. But he drops it in his book again. All right. So just pointing that out, although that's not what this is about. Okay, so supposedly the name Scott, Scotland is coming from the Egyptian princess Skoda. All right. That was a separate drop. Okay, so the African Moorish Negro King Dardanus ruled Troy from BC to 240. The story of the Pitts King Arthur and his round table of 150 black knights were all about black men and his daring Negro army. The story of the who? So you mean to tell me King Arthur was a Pitt? Oh, uh, okay then, okay. So once again, you have a description of Robert E. Lee in congressional records as being dark complected. They give the account of his uh, running buddy, you know, his classmate, his ace, his ace at West Point with the name of McKay. And we look at the origins of the name McKay. Oh, and let's not forget that, you know, he married uh, George Washington's great granddaughter. Robert E. Lee did. And so his running buddy McKay. We look at the origins of that name. That's a, a name tied to the Pitts clan of ancient Scotland. Those Pitts that were described as dark-skinned. Hmm. Described as pygmies. Described as dark complexioned. Hmm. Okay. 
So let's go into shout out to Brother David, who sent me this information. This is from uh, ABC News back up in the day. This was 2014. Slave photo discovered from Robert E. Lee's home. Let's hit it. Uh, here's something else we can see in the meantime. Mm -hmm. A rare Civil War era photograph of slaves owned by General Robert E. Lee. Well, it's now being preserved by the National Park Service at Lee's Arlington House. And as Mike Kinane reports today, it was recently discovered thanks to the keen eye of a local volunteer. Photographs of slaves from the Civil War era are very rare, but incredibly, a second photo of this woman, Selena Gray, was recently discovered by a National Park Service volunteer up for auction on eBay for just $20. On the back, a handwritten inscription reads, General Lee's Slaves, Arlington, VA. Sold for $700, the photo was later donated to the Arlington House. On Saturday, it will be on public display here for the first time. And the two children in the uh, period stereo view are undoubtedly her children. Selena Gray was not the typical slave. She was the trusted head housekeeper for General Robert E. Lee and his wife Mary Custis Lee, the great-granddaughter of Martha and George Washington. Not only was this woman a slave who they allowed to get married, which was illegal at the time, they also let her get married in their home, in the parlor where they got married. After studying the photograph, National Park Rangers believe it was taken directly behind me, next to the slave quarters on General Lee's Arlington Estate. That's where Selena Gray lived with her family 150 years ago. What I find so fascinating is how well-dressed Selena and her daughters are in this photo. During the I Civil War, as the Union Army advanced, the Lee family fled, and Gray was left the keys to the property. Today, historians credit her with saving the home. Selena was an incredibly courageous woman. She stood up to Union generals to say, save this place, save these priceless heirlooms from President George Washington that were here in the home of what was then a Confederate general. And even though she's enslaved, she's going to stand up and is actually going to come out and want to protect those things. That's amazing. In Arlington, Mike Kinnean, ABC7 News. Okay, so I don't know about y'all, but let's just run this back. I'm trying to get to the photo. In Arlington, Mike Kinnean, a... Like the one gentleman said, she's a very well-dressed slave. Very well-dressed. Her and whomever else is right next to her. The little baby in the middle. They pretty well dressed to me. And she was given the responsibility of holding down the house. A second photo of this one. Look pretty well dressed, well taken care of. Protected the home of the Lees. Was able to get married. Oh, okay then. Was protecting the heirlooms from George Washington. Okay. But let's just real quick um, go into Selena Gray. That's her name. Selena Gray, Selena Norris Gray, the daughter of Leonard and Sally Norris, was a second-generation Arlington enslaved person. Selena Norris and Thomas Gray were married by an Epis 
Episcopal, clergyman, uh, Episcopal, hmm. You mean the missionaries from Europe? But let's continue. In the same room of the house where Mary Custis had married Robert E. Lee in 1831. Remember, Mary is uh, George Washington's great-granddaughter. So this slave was married in the same room as George Washington's great-granddaughter and Robert E. Lee. So listen to the hijack. While the church recognized the marriage, the unions of enslaved people were not legally binding. Uh-huh. Enslaved people as property could not enter into legally binding contracts. Selena and Thornton would have had eight children and raised their family in a single room in slave quarters. Okay. Now, I'm not saying that she wasn't a slave. I'm just saying she was uh, well taken care of. She had a lot of clout. She was trusted. She was even trusted to the point of holding down the house. And protecting the family heirlooms. I'm not saying she a slave. But it seems to me. Uh, kind of an indentured servant. Relationship at a minimum. So Selena was the personal maid. Of Mrs. Robert E. Lee. In, in 1861. Under the threat of union Occupation. The Lee family evacuated Arlington and Mrs. Lee entrusted the household keys, symbolizing that responsibility of the family's material possessions was left to Selena Gray. Now, I don't know about y'all, uh, but um, only my blood sister got the keys and the codes to my crib. And my vehicles. Uh, so, okay. Locked away inside Arlington House were many of the Washington's treasures. These pieces were cherished family heirlooms that had once belonged to Mrs. Lee's great-grandmother, Martha, Martha Custis Washington, and President George Washington. The United States Army assumed control of the Arlington Estate on May 24, 1861. Later, U.S. Army officers occupied the house. When Mrs. Gray discovered some of the treasures had been stolen, she confronted the soldiers and ordered them to not touch any of Miss Lee's things. So, uh, this slave... Not only was she well taken care of, she was well loved by her quote, quote, slave masters. She protected it to the point where she told them, I know y'all, you just stole they stuff. Where they do that at? But let's continue. Gray alerted General Irving McDowell, commander of the United States troops, 
to the importance of the Washington heirlooms. So wait a minute, child. Clutch the pearls. Clutching my pearls. You mean a black woman slash melanated woman secured the artifacts of George Washington, one of the founding fathers. Is that what y'all telling me? That a black woman, melanated woman, swarthy, dark complexion. Yeah, this dark complexion secured the heirlooms of George Washington in her supposedly and allegedly master homes, a Confederate general, Robert E. Lee. She not only confronted the soldiers saying, I know y'all didn't, first of all, don't touch nothing. Don't appreciate it. And I know you didn't set up and stole. So you telling me that this slave, this black woman, slash melanated woman, slash dark complexion woman, that they said was a slave, secured these heirlooms, told the soldiers don't touch nothing, and knew they stole, and then she jumped over everybody and went to who? She didn't go to a lieutenant. She didn't go to a private. She didn't go to a captain. She went to a who? She went uh, to general. And, and said, uh, look, your boys are stealing this stuff. And they know they don't have no business putting their hands. They hands is this. On stuff. The remaining pieces were sent to the patent office for safekeeping. Through Selena Gray's efforts, many of Washington pieces were saved for posterity. Selena and her family were freed by the will of George Washington Park Custis in December 1862, but continued to live on the estate for several years. The descendants are numerous and some still live in the area. Her children were instrumental in the restoration of the Arlington House in the 1920s and 1930s. Oh, what? Huh? Hmm. So black slave did all of that for them white people. Okay. Or was it that this black slave or indentured servant did that for her employers, her black employers, the Lees? In 2014, the National Park Service acquired a rare and previous unknown Civil War era stereo view. A uh, photograph of enslaved housekeeper Selena Gray and two of her daughters. Okay, so both of those are her daughters. So her she sharp, the daughter sharp, hair combed, all of that. Ciao. 
let's just continue. This extraordinary fine, okay, we knew about that, was made by the National Park Service volunteer, Dean DeRosa. The seller, based in England, had found the photograph in a box of unwanted photographs at a book fair in Kent, England. In Kent, England. Now, why am I saying Kent, England in my southern, my natural southern draw? Because remember, I gave y'all the Kent visitation. Shout out to the sis that sent me the Kent visitation. That listed all of the immigrants. The 1619 Kent visitation. And I told y'all that that 1619 slave project that they're talking about, that they are a liar. That it was really the 1619 project of all of those folks being kicked out of Europe. The melanated black folk. Being kicked out of Europe, coming over to the Americas. So uh, don't think that I missed this one bit. That they found uh, the photos of the supposed slave. She was in Kent. They found this uh, unwanted photo in Kent, England. Same 1619 Visitation that had a list of lineage from folks coming from Kent, England to the Americas. See, y'all can't get that over us no more. Well, we we know how to research. We know how to put the pick the the pieces together. The Arlington House Friends Group Save Historic Arlington House Inc. jumped into action to bid on the items, item and against stiff competition won the auction. The photograph itself is priceless and will be an invaluable addition to the park's museum collection as identifiable period image. And again, I can't vouch that she was enslaved. Because she was just too cool with the Lees. And this photo of her posed up with her babies. And the amount of power that she had as a slave appears to me that she was their indentured servant. She was their indentured servant. And she came over with them... Uh, from England, from Europe. Or their families knew each other through the lines of Europe. Only one other Civil War period picture taken on the site at Arlington's house of an enslaved person owned by the Cuttis and Lee family has ever been known to exist prior to this discovery, and that person is unidentified. Okay, uh, so again, this is from the National Park Service. 
Arlington House, the Robert E. Lee Memorial, and this is on Selena Gray. Let's jump over to Freedman's Village. This is off of uh, National Park Service as well. And shout out again to Brother David for dropping this bomb information on this picture, on uh, the, the photo so we could get a drop on what Selena Gray did. Okay, so this is Freedom's Village. On April 16, 1862, Congress passed legislation freeing all enslaved people in the District of Columbia. African Americans from Virginia and else, elsewhere flocked to the city in search of work and shelter. Already struggling to meet the needs of their impoverished residents by the fall of 1862, the modest freedmen camps which the government had erected in the city were overwhelmed after President Lincoln uh, issued the Emancipation Proclamation, um, freeing all enslaved people in the Confederate States on January 1st, 1863. Okay, uh, so I didn't want to go into all of this. I just wanted you to kind of just get a gist of... Um, Freedman's Village, because uh, I had never heard of it. So I just kind of wanted you to get an idea of what that, that it existed. So it's saying, and I'm, I'm skipping around in this. It says, the symbolic power of transforming part of the Confederate General's plantation estate into a community for freedmen likely served as a motivation for Green, Danforth, and other Washington officials in charge of creating the village. For the for many abolitionists and in some government and some in the government, Robert E. Lee as the leading Confederate general, you know, that dark complected Confederate general came to personify slavery and unrealized freedoms for millions of African Americans in America, the use of his home as a camp for freed persons was thus thought to be very appealing and appropriate in by many in the North. Okay, so I'm just reading you this to let you know uh, that they turned Robert E. Lee's estate into a freedman's village. Okay, so we know the narrative that they're giving us that the Civil War was about abolitionists freeing black African slaves for freeing black Africans from slavery. Okay? So in other words, the South wanted to keep slavery, wanted to keep enslaving Africans, and the North wanted to free them. All right? But yet, when we dig into the official records we find that the confederates so the confederates were the ones that according to their narrative narrative was for slavery and the union was against okay so the gray uniform the confederate against the blue uniform the union okay so the south versus the north that's what they're teaching right but yet when we dig in these records Again, we see Confederates 
that were black. And one of the famous generals, Robert E. Lee, was black. It was dark complected. Okay? So, let's just go through just at a high level. Let's look at some of these pictures. Start with the flag. Let me make sure you all can see this. Yep, just want to make sure. All right? Okay, so you have... Um, The Chickasaw Confederacy, uh, the Chickamauga Confederacy, okay, the Chickamauga again Confederacy, and we'll blow this one up. Uh, Chickamauga again. Black land. Mm. Okay. If the Civil War was about black, white people wanting to keep, white people from the South wanting to keep black people enslaved, then why is this old man standing with a group of white women and he's in a confederate uniform, meddled up now, meddled up to the hilt with a confederate flag in his hand. If the war, civil war, was about white people wanting to keep black people enslaved, then what is this picture of this black confederate soldier in a confederate soldier's outfit and he posed for this and he cleaned up his suit and everything for this baby in front of a confederate flag oh okay then so there you have it family um what they are telling us once again, it's what they want to teach you, but that's not what the official records say. It's not what the official records say. Official records state that Robert E. Lee, and this is a congressional record. This is a congressional record. It's not what Rhonda said. It's not what straight up said. This is a congressional record. When he entered, we're talking about Robert E. Lee. When he entered West Point, he had brown hair, a dark complexion, a dark complexion. Robert E. Lee. who married George Washington's great-granddaughter, whose wife, let us suppose it, 
and alleged slave, Selena Gray, turned over the keys to the house and gave her the responsibility of this dark complexion, Selena Gray, turned over, Mrs. Lee turned over the house with the family's material possessions and heirlooms for her to look after. And not only did she look after him, she even defended him and made General Irvine McDowell get the stolen heirlooms back. And then all of them were sent to the patent office. Selena Gray, the supposed and alleged slave of the Lees, she was show, uh, she was dressed nice. Those are her two daughters. Their hair combed and all of that. Mm. Okay. And this photo, it was found at a fair in Kent, England. Oh, the same Kent, England that they have documented on record called the 1619 visitation of those lineages coming from Kent, England. And I told you all those are the lineages of the black Europeans. Hmm. Okay. So there you have it, family. Uh, again, Robert E. Lee was black. And so were a lot of those Confederate soldiers. They were black also. And I will be including in this particular video at the end bonus material of more black Confederate soldiers. Okay. So shout out again to um, Straight Up, the Black Confederacy. So go over, subscribe to his YouTube channel and check out this video in its entirety. He also goes through more descriptions of black confederate soldiers all right and so thank you brother david for this additional supplemental material giving us uh sarah i'm sorry selena gray's information we appreciate that also uh so thank you brother david for that okay so if you are not subscribed to us i highly encourage you to subscribe like and share. I hope you got some value out of this fam. And I hope this is once again reiterating the importance of you to do your research and get into the actual records. Because the information is there. Okay. You just have to dig to get it. All right. So I hope you all got some value out of this. I wish everyone well on this Tuesday. Uh, this is Rhonda with WTUZ Radio Podcast. Peace and love, family. 
Just uh, some addition to the bonus material when I was talking about um, the quote, quote, slave, the woman slave of Elise, who supposedly and allegedly was a slave of Lee's, uh, Robert E. Lee and his wife, who his wife was the great granddaughter of George Washington. And <clears throat> the person that found that a photo of Selena Gray. Uh, it was noted that they found the photo in Kent, England. And I was telling you all about the 1619 Visitation Project. Okay, it is a book, a record rather, on file. And I did a drop on it, and I will leave that particular uh, drop in this video as well. So just to show you, and as you can see at the top of this, this is the Visitation of Kent, 1619. It's giving the heritage and lineage of all of the surnames of the folks coming up out of Kent, England. And I said that those folks, most of them, if not all of them, were probably melanated a.k.a. Black, and the 1619 Project that they're running around talking about, talking about the documented Atlantic slave trade is a lie that really that 1619 Project, it, it, it's really this, the Visitation of Kent. And again, it lists all the surnames. And what do we have here? Is that not the Lee? Is that not the L-E-E -E surname? From Kent, England. Okay. So just wanted to put this in there as well. Because remember, that photo of Selena Gray. And hopefully I didn't shut it down. Let's just bring that back up again. This photo of Selena Gray, the slave of the Lees, that's what they said, was found in unwanted photographs at a book fair in Kent, England. Okay. And here in the Visitation of Kent, 1619, giving the heritage of the Europeans from England that came over to the Americas. Who's on this list of surnames? The Lees. Okay. So I just wanted to put this in here for added... Um, bonus material. Uh, so thanks much. Peace and love.